know if you knew it or not, but something pretty significant happened over the last uh, couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe you heard about it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been on the couple of news cycles a little bit. Uh, we just lived through this historical couple of weeks, right? The Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, uh, uh, died and was laid to rest this past Monday after her 70-year reign, right? I mean, her kingdom has been passed on to Charles, who has taken the throne. They say that at least a couple billion people watched the funeral. Anybody? Did you watch the funeral? I've been five minutes of it like I did. Okay, seven of you. No, okay. Yeah, a lot of you. Okay. Uh, A lot of ceremony, a lot of pageantry. People seem to just be drawn to that, right? I mean, for some, there's something there. Many Americans uh, seem to be drawn to all the stuff about the British aristocracy, right? We've we've got uh, uh, the, the that show on Netflix, The Crown, all about uh, Queen Elizabeth. I'm sure everybody's gone back and binge watched those previous seasons of that. Downton Abbey is all about the uh, aristocracy and stuff. Uh, a lot of if there's anything going on with the royal family, it, everybody just gets all a buzz, right? You just Wondering what's going on. There's weddings and there's scandals and there's all sorts. Who's talking to who and who's not talking to? And it's just a big, big, I'm not sure what the draw is. But now that I've said that, I'm sure several of you will fill me in afterwards why that's so important. Uh, it, it might have something to do, I don't know. It might have something to do with us being raised on Disney stories of princesses and castles and happily ever after. Or may it, maybe it's just that that the British monarchy is, is one of the few remaining benevolent kingdoms that still exist today. They don't necessarily uh, rule that much, I don't guess, but uh, we're intrigued by it because it's so different than, uh, than, than what we're used to. And, and, and that's why we may have a hard time relating to this next phrase in the Lord's Prayer as we pray with Jesus. In the, the second sentence of his prayer, Jesus tells us that we should pray, Thy kingdom come. And we're immediately drawn to images of castles and kings and princesses and knights and chivalry and fair maidens and, and all the things, right? And uh, Because we don't really talk much about kingdoms these days unless it's in books that we read or movies that we watch. But Jesus talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven a lot. Uh, he used the term over 50 times just in the four gospels. Uh, many people would say, uh, many scholars say that the, the kingdom was really the central theme of Jesus' teaching. Everything came back to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So, so what does it mean for us to pray for God's kingdom to come? I, I suppose we should first define what a kingdom is uh, as, as we're, we're talking about it here. We think about countries and boundary lines and, and all those sorts of things. But uh, really a kingdom simply, simply consists of, of a king who rules and citizens who follow that rule. I, I think it can be, uh, be simplified down to that. A, a king who rules and citizens who follow the king's rule. The king is in charge. He is the ultimate authority and he sets up a way of living with expectations to be followed. 
In history, that's consisted of, you know, they, they set all sorts of rules and laws and things, you know, treat each other well, no stealing, no murder, uh, you know, all those types of things. They impose taxes. Uh, kings and queens are, are, are well known for, for the taxes that they impose and the hardship that sometimes that causes, uh, as we see in some of those stories and things. But, uh, there's a certain culture established in certain kingdoms, right? Certain kingdoms uh, have this, this uh, whatever kingdom you're in, it, it takes on a certain culture, a certain context that you live in and, and the citizens of the kingdom uh, follow the rule of the king and if if he's a good king uh, and, and I'm using the word king I guess we you know king queen uh, kingdom it's not a queendom I guess so I'm just just referring to that uh, in the in the in the king term but if, if if he's a good king then the citizens also enjoy the the benefits of the kingdom right and if a, if a person is not part of the kingdom they're not bound by the laws of the king they don't have to pay taxes they, they're they're not part of the kingdom but but they also don't receive the benefits of being in the kingdom. And those things, I think, are true for virtually all kingdoms that have ever existed or do exist today, and they're also true in the kingdom of God. So far in this prayer, Jesus has, uh, has actually emphasized to us several very key things about God. Right. First of all, we we, uh, we we start right off the bat. Our Father. The first word in Greek is is Father. Uh, uh, Jesus is emphasizing that that you're invited into the family. Right. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that, and we're we're encouraged to pray at the outset of this prayer. It's just that man. It's an oh daddy prayer. Oh daddy, please. And and we we come to him with that intimacy and that 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 closeness, and we almost picture crawling up in his lap and just just uh, pouring out our our lives and our and our needs to him, and and we receive his love and his comfort and his support and 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 we have that imagery of God as as Jesus tells us to to pray with him our father but then then he also last week we saw that that uh, he also encourages us to pray in an attitude of worship that this isn't just this this close intimate uh camaraderie kind of thing but that God is is holy hallowed be your name right and uh, he's a righteous God he's holy he's he's set apart and so we have those two uh images as Jesus is telling us how to pray and now with this next uh, phrase, Jesus is bringing yet another picture of God's identity on the scene here. God is king. He's our father, he's, he's holy, and he's the king. God is on the throne and he is in charge of his kingdom. When we pray the Lord's prayer and mean it, we're not just saying these words, reciting these things we might have learned, but we are literally bowing down to the king of the universe as we pray, thy kingdom come. And, and those who acknowledge God as king are his people, uh, his subjects, I guess, if you will. We are citizens of the kingdom, and as such, there's a certain way of life. There's, there's a, a, a cert, certain law, so to speak. There are certain things to, to ways to live. Uh, the expectations for those citizens, right? Just as in all kingdoms. And there are also benefits and blessings of being a citizen in the kingdom. Now, I would present to you today that we are all living in a kingdom. Which one is simply determined by whom you serve? So the question that we really have to grapple with as we pray thy kingdom come is, who is your king? Who is my king? Who has ultimate authority in my life? Unfortunately, I think if we prayed the Lord's Prayer like we really live a lot of the time, we would probably pray this phrase a little differently. 
we would probably pray my kingdom come, right? Can we just be honest there? Uh, my kingdom come. Because usually we just want what we want when we want it. And we, we, we just can't imagine why God would allow anything painful or difficult in our lives because uh, we're in charge, right? And, and it's almost like we're, we're just, you know, God has the power. And so we just order him around to do what we want him to do. And, and that seems to be many people's definition of prayer, right? Give me this and do that and help me and help them. And, and we're just kind of giving God orders so to speak, but I don't think that sounds a lot like thy kingdom come. I, I think many of us pray this line with, with great motives, and, and we think it means God come down here and take care of some stuff, right? There's some stuff going on. You need to know about it. Bring your kingdom down because everything's kind of a mess, right? There, there's a whole lot of problems now, and, and we need you to fix them. And in a sense, I mean, that's not wrong. That It's just not complete because we don't get to order God around, do we? He is king. You are not. <laughs> it's not about you. This is, a, this is a prayer of submission to God's kingdom. And I don't know if you realized it or if you knew it or not. God's kingdom is not a democracy. <laughs> we don't get to vote. We, we bow before our father, right? We bow before our holy God. We submit to our king. We... we uh, submit to his action in the world and in our lives. Actually, we, we, we're longing for it as we pray, thy kingdom come. I, I don't know about you, but, but I'm already, already uh, you know, what we're, we're, this is the third week of this study in the Lord's Prayer, and I'm already noticing how much I don't always follow Jesus' instructions in how to pray. Uh, prayer can turn self-focused pretty quickly, can't it? Uh, it turns into, uh, yeah, I just, I just want what I want, and I come with my list, and, and, uh, and, and I just pray for God to do all this stuff for me or for those that I know and love, and I want him to do this, and... Jesus knew that that would be our temptation, I believe, and so he starts this prayer out in a completely different direction, right? He, he's reminding us, you're a child in the family of God. He's your father. He, he's holy and righteous. You need to live up to the family name. Uh, you need to keep his name holy, and you need to know that he's the king. Life is all about his kingdom intersecting with life in this world and how that changes everything. Yeah, we haven't gotten, I mean, we're, this prayer is, is not all that long, and yet three weeks in, we still haven't gotten to the place where we're getting anything for ourselves yet, right? I mean, we'll get there. We're going to pray for that, for that daily bread and, and all that's coming up, uh, I promise. But, but, but we have to nail this down first. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray, and it's all about God. And this line about God's kingdom is, is one of submission to God as your king, as the ruler of your life. You cannot truly pray this line and mean it without recognizing and submitting to the authority of God in the world and in your life. Author Charles Allen wrote, Thy kingdom come means I am willing to surrender everything I possess in order to possess God. God demands our all or our nothing at all. You, you cannot gloss over these three words in this prayer. You must answer the question. Uh, thy, as you're praying, thy kingdom come, you must answer the question, who is my king? And maybe I'm going to add another word to that because we can come to an answer real quickly. Who is my, oh, it's God, and we move on. Who is my king really? <laughs> 
And I think maybe we need to sit in that. Probably more than what we would do here, but that's probably homework, right? That's, that's time for you and, and Jesus this afternoon or, or throughout this next week or throughout this next year sitting in who is my king really? Well, as, as that goes on in the background of our minds, I want us to investigate today what God's kingdom is like. So, because if we're going to be citizens of the kingdom, we need to know what we're, what we're joining, right? We need to know the characteristics of what the kingdom is like. And so just a few things, and, and uh, I expressed to uh, uh, more than one person, I think, this week how, man, we could, I mean, this is a big, big topic. And if it's one of Jesus, if not the, uh, uh, the thing that Jesus focused on, um, there's more to it than what we can hit in a few minutes on a Sunday morning. But, but uh, uh, what is God's kingdom like? First, we need to know that God's kingdom is eternal. God's kingdom is the only kingdom that will last forever. That's an important fact. Psalm 145, 13 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Daniel 7, 14 says, His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And then Hebrews 12, 28, I love this. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship acceptably and with reverence and awe. You, you need to know that God's kingdom is one of the very few things in the universe that will last forever. There's so much that is involved in our lives that we, we involve ourselves with that just won't last. The things of God's kingdom last for eternity. In, in submitting to God as, you, as your king, you are joining an eternal kingdom. And I love that, that the, the way they say it there in, in Hebrews, uh, his kingdom cannot be shaken. Have you ever been in an earthquake? We don't get them around here much. We were in on a mission trip in Peru a few years ago, and they, they, uh, there was a very slight earthquake. We were outside. You'd think you'd feel it more outside. We didn't feel it uh, outside. Uh, folks came running out of the building. Hey, there was just an earthquake. And we were like, oh, okay. Uh, if that's an earthquake, I think I can handle this, right? But uh, uh, the, 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 so... Whether you've been in an earthquake or not, uh, maybe around here it's, uh, it's storms, right? We've got, uh, uh, you know, thunderstorms that move through and the wind blows and everything, you know, our, our, uh, our grill blew off the deck, uh, a little while ago and, and, uh, just because of the, 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 the force of the wind and things get shaken, right? And the trees and the leaves and, uh, and it's, it, things are just, and, Natural disasters might shake things, but of, of course there's, you don't have to experience natural forces in nature to know what it means to be shaken. We get bad news, or uh, we see disturbing things in the world, and we're, we're shaken by that, right? We, we know what it means to be shaken. <laughs> I want you to hear crystal clear today, God's kingdom will not only last forever, it will never be shaken. I love how how Dallas Willard says it in in his classic book, The Divine Conspiracy. He says, God's kingdom has never been in trouble and never will be. (laughs) I'm going to say that again because we got to realize God's kingdom has never been in trouble and it never will be. It is not something that human beings can reproduce or ultimately hinder. We We do have an invitation to be part of it, but if we refuse, we only hurt ourselves. God's kingdom has never been in trouble and it it never will be. God's kingdom is eternal. It will never be shaken. When we're praying thy kingdom come, we're praying for that eternal kingdom to come. 
Well, God's kingdom, as we, we can see it uh, moving and working in our lives, and, and I want to go next to see, well, what, what is that really all about? God's kingdom reveals how God works. As God is, God is working, uh, where he is bringing about his kingdom, uh, we can recognize God's kingdom as it comes, as we see him working in our lives and, and in the world. Uh, many of the parables that Jesus told... Uh, describe the kingdom. Uh, Jesus, man, more times than not, I think, starts out a, a, a story or a parable by saying, the kingdom of God is like, and then he'd tell a story, right? And, and we don't have time to go in depth. I told you there's 50 uh, times when Jesus said things like that in the, in the gospels, but, but I, I'll just take a sampling and just, uh, just a few examples to get us to start uh, to, to have a, a little bit of an idea what the kingdom of God is like. Mark, Mark 4.30 says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, Jesus tells us that, that small beginnings don't mean that the kingdom is insignificant, just like a tiny mustard seed grows into this huge plant where birds can come and find shelter. The kingdom of God bursts forth and it provides shelter for all. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Matthew 13, uh, Jesus uh, says that the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field or like a, a pearl of great value. And in those stories, Jesus said that the person who found the, uh, the, the treasure and the pearl went and sold everything that they had so that they could have enough to buy that, that, that field with that treasure, buy that, that pearl because it meant so much because it was, it was of such great value that everything else was worth getting rid of in order to have those things of value. And he said, that's what the kingdom of God is like. Just as humankind, humanity, that we are God's top priority, uh, growth of his kingdom should be our top priority. In Luke 14, Jesus says that the parable, uh, uh, in the parable of the great banquet, uh, making the point that the kingdom of God is, is not just for the privileged few, but the in- invitation to that banquet, the invitation to the kingdom is extended to everyone. God invites everyone into his kingdom. In the parable of the sower, which is uh, in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8, uh, Jesus emphasizes that the seeds of the gospel are scattered throughout the world. They're received differently depending on uh, where they land and the, the preparation of those who, uh, who, rec- who, who receive that seed, but uh, uh, they are, they, uh, the kingdom is ready to burst forth and grow in abundance uh, where, they, where it's received. It also illustrates the need for us to continue scattering those seeds of the kingdom, right? Focusing on those who are open and receptive, the parable of the sower. And then in Matthew 13 and in Luke 13, Jesus says the kingdom is like yeast, that works itself through the whole dough. From that, we learn that the kingdom of God is, is universal. It reaches to the, 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 the ends of the world. It's extended to every person everywhere. There's the parable of the talents where we see that in his kingdom, God entrusts us with gifts and we're expected to use those gifts for the furthering of his kingdom. There's the parable of the virgins where we see the importance of being ready when God comes for his people because he could come at any time. Maybe Maybe my favorite illustration of of what uh, that Jesus gave of how how things work in the kingdom is when he gathered children around and, and he said that those little children were the greatest in the kingdom of God and he went a little further to say that we all should become like them if we ever want to even enter the kingdom of God for ourselves God's kingdom is one of innocence and humility and wonder we must, be, we must come to him as little children, trusting him 
with everything. So many, so many examples in the Gospels of Jesus describing the kingdom that he was ushering in. And that's important. Because many, uh, many Jewish people uh, back then thought that the Messiah was going to usher in a political kingdom, right? A, a government that would free the Jews from the Roman oppression. But instead, Jesus described a kingdom that's in the heart. A kingdom that transforms people on the inside before it ever transforms societies on the outside. God's kingdom uh, shows us how God works. You also need to know that God's kingdom is here. Now, Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Mark 1, 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Luke 17, 20 and 21, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. And you might push back and and wonder, how can the kingdom of God be near when there's so much pain and suffering in the world where sin seems to be running so rampant? And the answer is that the kingdom comes when you and I live as citizens of the kingdom. When we are submitting to God's leadership as king, when we are following his direction, when we are developing his character, then his kingdom is being realized even here and now on earth through you. F.B. Meyer says, it is not enough to say thy kingdom come. Each day we should move some pebble from its pathway. We're involved, right? The, the, the kingdom is coming and it's coming through us. As you obey your king, you are bringing the kingdom to this earth. And that includes doing good for others, uh, avoiding evil, developing God's character, the, the, the fruit of the spirit in, in your life. Citizens of the kingdom of God live like that. They follow the lead of the king. And although there, there is still sin in this world, uh, so we will not see the full kingdom of God to come to fruition here and now. Whenever we live our lives following God's leadership, his kingdom comes through us. The fourth thing I want to tell you about the kingdom is that God's kingdom is not here yet. To which you may say, Pastor, you've got some kind of typo there because you just told us that the kingdom of God is here now, so what in the world are you talking about? Well, your pastor's lost it, and we can just sign off and go home. But you already knew that. No, the kingdom of God is here partially, right? But we are also looking forward to the final culmination when God's kingdom is all there is. There's no more suffering or pain or death or sin. Hebrews 11 tells uh, uh, kind of synopsis the, the, uh, uh, the, the stories of many people who followed God living as citizens of his kingdom and yet they didn't fully realize that that full kingdom uh, during their lifetime there's a little passage there in the middle of that uh, middle of that chapter it says this all these people were still living by faith when they died They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
We can live in this life as citizens of God's kingdom. And as we do, we bring its influence to the world here and now. Uh, but there will come a day when we will enjoy the kingdom in all of its fullness. Revelation chapter 21 gives us just a glimpse. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It's coming. Jesus made it possible and it's seen every day through your life as you live as citizens of the kingdom. Praying thy kingdom come is is not just a plea for God to work, but it's a surrender to let him work through a prominent Dutch theologian in the 1900s, G.C. Burkhauer, wrote about this part of the Lord's Prayer, and he said this, The prayer, thy kingdom come, is no stammering monologue, but a prayer that expects an answer. And every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, there is reason to go and stand at the window of expectation. Are you anticipating, expecting the kingdom? Are you going to the, praying for God's kingdom to come and then going to the window and watching for it to happen? Is, is God your king? I guess that's, we're coming back to that question. Praying for God's kingdom to come is a plea for him to build his kingdom through your life. Father God, we, we come before you today offering ourselves to you. We offer our church to you and pray that you would build your kingdom here in this place through these people. We pray that you would bring your grace, your truth, your love through us to this community. And Lord, we also offer ourselves individually we pray that as we uh, enter our workplace, our, our, our schools, our homes, our community this week, that you would bring your kingdom through us there. That, that, that your kingdom would come in our lives and through our lives. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to catch a glimpse of, of what that looks like all uh, at the same time as we are anticipating with, with, with great yearning, your kingdom, your eternal kingdom to be established for all eternity. Lord, we, we love you and we thank you for the, uh, the, the privilege of being with your people in this place today. And we pray that you would establish your kingdom in and through us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>